Another eventful week in the NFL and college, too. Really wild weekend uh, across the board in football. Uh, Flying solo today. We'll keep this one short, sweet, get through some of what I think were the biggest and most telling things about the uh, the games this weekend uh, and kind of where we stand now as each week it's like focusing a camera, right? It just gets a little bit clearer each week as to who we actually think is good who might be a little bit fraudulent uh and kind of where we stand in the nfl i mean we are approaching this kind of final stretch november is usually the most vital and pivotal pivotal uh month of the season in terms of kind of shaping up where a lot of teams finish up uh and in terms of the standings it kind of feels about right Uh, You look at the top of the AFC right now. It's Kansas City. Uh, Tennessee has a big win. They moved to 7-3 on Thursday night football. The Bills have a big bounce back game. Sorry, we we got somebody backing up outside of my house right now. Uh, And other than that, the rest uh, in the AFC kind of feels like it's Kansas City and Buffalo. I mean, you can put Tennessee in there because that team, what they do offensively travels, their defense is legitimate. Uh, and with Tannehill back and kind of being healthier seems to be a little more and more uh, the team that we expect them to be. Uh, you also throw in teams like Cincinnati at six and four back in the mix. Uh, the Chargers lose a heartbreaker on Sunday night to the Chiefs. Um, but for the most part, it's kind of the teams that we expected right at the top, Kansas City and Buffalo. And everyone else kind of feels like what they were in the last couple of years. Uh, Tennessee, Feels like the same kind of version of Tennessee. Cincinnati becoming eerily similar to the team that they were this time a year ago, uh, and they're going to have to roll off some big wins. But the AFC is about what we thought. And, you know, between Denver and Vegas not quite looking like what we expected them to look like, uh, not much has changed. And the NFC, that one feels a little bit more muddy. The Eagles still holding first place. They come away with a, a win at the last second. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit about that game and Jalen Hurts, who uh, found a way to win that game for for the Eagles. Uh, ugly, ugly football game. The defense seemed to have gotten some things uh, figured out, at least in the run game, after uh, Jonathan Taylor ripped off just a massive opening drive, gouged them for 49 rushing yards on the opening drive. And then I think he had 14 going into uh, like halfway through the fourth quarter at one point. So the Eagles – Adjusted well, despite my frustrations with Jonathan Gannon. Um, But then you look at the rest of it, right? The Vikings absolutely demolished by uh, Dallas. Dallas, who we, a lot of people were starting to kind of not necessarily write off. But there were some question marks, right? No one really knew just how good Dallas was. They lose the game to Green Bay. They come back and absolutely steamroll Minnesota, and now we're sitting there thinking, all right, well, who is who is good right now in the NFC? The Eagles, I think, are good. Um, the offense without Dallas Goddard, definitely a problem. The Cowboys look really, really good. Uh, I continue to say Minnesota, I think, is a little bit fraudulent. 
I don't think they're quite as big of frauds as everyone's going to say. Like, look, everyone has bad games. Is it good that the two, um, you know, the two losses are from the two other good teams in the NFC and, and Dallas and Philly, and they got smoked in both of them? No. But they also were coming off of an unbelievably emotional game uh, in Buffalo the week before. <laughs> And they come back and win that game in overtime somehow. And they came out flat and got absolutely steamrolled by Dallas. But after Philly and Dallas, who else, right? Who else in the NFC do you look at and say, that is a really good football team? It's weird to say, but I, I think you have to start putting the commanders into that conversation. I think the commanders are a good football team. I think they're a pretty damn good football team. And that's not a team you want to play in the playoffs. They can get after the pass. They can get after the quarterback. They can run the ball really well. Uh, Heineke's doing enough. And what I like, too, is we, we haven't really had a Heineke, like, bad moment yet this year. He's taken care of the football significantly better than he has in years past. Uh, and I'll tell you what, I think they're the third best team in the division in the NFC. East. I think they're better than the Giants, who just got absolutely smashed uh, by the Detroit Lions, uh, who are – a frisky team that we know of, but right now it seems like Philly and Dallas are the clear top two teams. And then after that, I mean, you have to give respect to, you know, Minnesota. They have only lost two games this year, but that was really concerning three points on the opening drive. And then they don't score again for the rest of the game. Uh, that's not good. San Francisco looks like they're finally starting to hum and get some, get their shit together. <laughs> And then you have Tennessee or then you have uh, Tampa Bay and Seattle who were both on buys this week who you can throw in the mix. But what I love about this season so far is it does feel like it does feel completely wide open. I think Kansas City is the best team in the league. I think Patrick Mahomes, like we talked about last week, clear cut, the best quarterback in the NFL. It's not even close and it hasn't been for a couple of years now, but. Rodgers had his back-to-back MVPs and Brady wins the Super Bowl beating Mahomes and that you know that picture gets a little bit muddied but there there is no debate. It, it, Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL bar none. Um and I kind of love where we stand cuz even though Kansas City is the best team with the best player I still feel like they could lose in the playoffs. I still feel like Buffalo Buffalo already beat them once in Kansas City this year. I feel like Cincinnati, we're going to get to see them play in a couple weeks. I think Cincinnati, when they're rolling, can beat that team. Uh, I think Baltimore, with the way that their defense is playing now with Roquan Smith, can beat that team. Uh, I don't know. I don't think the Jets or Patriots, they both, both those teams looked horrible, uh, but an electric finish nonetheless. Uh, Indianapolis beat this team earlier. We saw Tennessee almost beat them with Malik Willis throwing five touchdown passes. So even the best team with the best players still feels beatable in the postseason. And you look at the NFC, it's the same thing. I think the Eagles are the best team in the NFC, but Dallas can beat them. We got to see those two teams play again. Indianapolis almost just beat them. We saw the uh, commanders just beat them on Monday Night Football last week. There is a lot of parity in the NFL right now. And I think it's going to make for a really, really exciting finish. Uh, and the next month and a half here as we finish up the last six weeks, seven weeks of the regular season, I think it's going to be really fun. I think it's going to be really exciting. I think we're going to have a lot of really good football to show for. Um, But, you know, 
It always comes down to getting into the dance. And we didn't even talk about uh, Miami, too, because with Miami's offense and how they can explode, they can win that game comfortably, right? They I, Miami could beat Kansas City in, in an absolute track meet, most likely. But I'm just – I'm fascinated to see how this ends. And what's crazy, too, is a lot of home field advantage – is going to be swayed, right? Because if the if the top two teams in the NFC are Philly and the Cowboys, even if it's not record-wise right now, but by season's end, one or two games is going to end up deciding who gets home field advantage. And that can be a huge difference, right? If the Eagles fall flat here and say finish 14-3 and three, and Dallas wins out, but Dallas has the better record in the, in the division and they get the number one seed, that's going to be a problem, right? Philly then goes from being the one seed home field advantage to, oh, you're actually the five seed and you're playing on the road the entire playoff run. And you don't get the buy. Whereas if you are that number one seed, you're getting the first round buy and you're getting home round home field advantage. It's going to make a big difference. And with the races being tight at the top, I mean, Buffalo and Kansas City, if Kansas City drops another game, right? Buffalo has the head to head against them. That could mean home field advantage for Buffalo going back. Uh, but Buffalo still doesn't look that great either. And uh, I do want to go through the games here. I'll touch on a little bit from each game. And like I said, we're going to keep this one short and sweet. I just love – I want to open with just I love where the NFL is at right now because there is this much parity. And we haven't had it in a really, really long time, it feels like. But then again, we also had the Rams and the Bengals in the Super Bowl last year. So maybe this is just part of the modern NFL with the amount of talent and – QB talent that's around, it does feel like anybody can come in and win a football game. Uh, but before we get to uh, the games, a quick word from our presenting sponsor, Alliance Accounting. The heart of football season is here. The autumn wind is blowing. The leaves are turning different colors if they're still hanging on your trees. And while you watch the season's turn, you should turn to the team at Alliance Accounting for all your personal and business tax solutions. Alliance Accounting has all the tools and resources you need to be prepared for any season. Their dedicated and knowledgeable team will prepare your federal and state tax return while you prepare for your family football game. Enjoy, uh, enjoy your company Thanksgiving potluck while the Alliance team provides you the bookkeeping you need to maintain your company's financial organization and success. Alliance is here to help you. And with tax day just a few months away, you don't want to get caught off guard like your Aunt Linda at Thanksgiving every year. Don't go cold turkey on your personal or business finances to end 2022. Turn over a new leaf this season with Alliance Accounting. And right now, you can get 10% off your first service with Alliance Accounting. Just tell them that the Read Option podcast sent you. So our listeners here on the Read Option, visit Alliance Accounting's website at allianceacctng.com today or check out their Instagram at Alliance underscore accounting to get that 10% off your first service at Alliance Accounting. Alliance Accounting with you every step of the way. Uh, and we're going to try to rework uh, a little bit of, of our ad read there with Omar, but uh, I was just reaching out to Omar the other day with all of this craziness with the crypto stock market um, and how everything seems to be going apeshit. Uh, Omar's and his company at Alliance, they are locked in when it comes to uh, everything going on with crypto and how to file your taxes, deal with that. So if you were leveraging and you were in the crypto game, 
and all this recent stuff has kind of fucked you over, like it's fucked over millions of people around the country. Uh, feel free to bring that up when you tell them Read Option Podcast sent you. Omar and the team over at Alliance, they do an amazing job. They know what they're doing. So check them out and tell them we sent you to get that 10% off your first service with Alliance. All right, uh, let's jump in and talk about some of these games. Uh, we can start with the Thursday night game. There's not a ton to get into on it. I mean, look, Tennessee uh, steamrolled, right? Just bully balled the Packers. Uh, I will say this, Christian Watson for Green Bay, starting to come along a little bit. Uh, I think that drop he had week one against Minnesota kind of fucked with him for a while there. I think it's kind of stuck in his mind. I think he's finally kind of gotten past that. The yips uh, he's explosive. He, he's a really good player. He's a lot, a lot more dynamic of an athlete than I remembered him being at North Dakota state, but he's, you know, that's the kind of guy that Rogers definitely needs. And once uh, I'd be curious, cause look, the Packers offense doesn't look great. It looks better. Um, Tell you what, A.J. Dillon's been a ma major disappointment this year. Uh, and I loved him coming out of Boston College. I mean, the dude is built like a brick shithouse. But I was just – I guess he's just just a little disappointing. Um, Aaron Jones is still really, really good. I still think he's a top-tier back in the NFL. There's just still not ev – not everything is still just clicking right for this Packers team. Um, I'm fascinated to see what they're going to do long-term, uh, or at least for next season. I mean, we've talked about on the podcast before, you know, with Russell Wilson, the $99 million in dead cap money if they were to try to move off of him uh, after this season. For Rodgers, it's even higher. It's $111 million in dead cap money if they were trying to move on from Rodgers. Um, I might have those two backwards. But nonetheless, we're talking about $100 million in dead cap if the Packers try to move on from Aaron Rodgers. And – Look, I think Rodgers still has a lot of good football left in him. Um, there's something about his, like, mental buy-in that feels off with this team. Uh, and that being said, too, Tennessee's a really good defensive team. So putting up 17 points against a good defensive team is not terrible. I mean, you would hope that your, your offense or that your defense would do a better job against a Tennessee offense that tends to just be running the football. But – Tennessee's rookie wide receiver too, Traylon Burks. He comes back off an of injury. He has a good day. Uh, Tennessee's going to be a tough out, man. And I'll tell you what, they remember that loss and how close they were to beating Cincinnati last year. And a game that, if we're being honest, they should have won. Uh, and instead, Cincinnati wins and then goes on to the freaking Super Bowl. Damn near wins the thing. Um, Derrick Henry's rolling. He looks healthy. The offensive line looks healthy. The defense is playing outrageously good. I would say for my money, them and Dallas are probably the top two defenses in the NFL. Dallas really showed out this week after having a couple of down weeks defensively. Uh, I really like this ten Tennessee team. And not because like, – not like last year when they were the one seed. It's amazing how frame of reference often changes how we think of these teams, right? Like Tennessee is the one seed a year ago with essentially the same team just no Derrick Henry on the back back few weeks of the year um, or second half of the year. We were like, this is the worst one seed of all time. What were they 12 and five as the one seed, right? Like this is the worst one seed we've ever seen. Most Tennessee teams pretty much the same. I actually think they're probably a little bit better than they were a year ago, especially having Derrick Henry is a big part of that. Um, no AJ Brown, but the rest of the team's still there. And what's interesting is them as a three seed, you're like, you know, you know what I kind of like? 
kind of like this Tennessee team. This Tennessee team's kind of sneaky. But when they're the one seed, you're like, oh, it's the worst one seed ever. And I think they're better this year than they were last year when they were the one seed. Obviously, the AFC as a whole, I think, is playing a lot better this year. But Tennessee, I think, is going to be a problem. It's not a team you want to play, and that might sound like a cliche, and I understand it, but I would say right now, I I think they're the clear-cut number three best team in that division, in that conference. It's them or Miami. Um, And hell, you could even make the argument that Miami's better than Buffalo. So they're at least in that top group, uh, and I would expect them to win a wild-card game and and move on, but... uh, Nonetheless, with the way that defense is playing, they're going to be a problem. They're not going to be a fun team to play. Uh, let's move on here uh, to the Sunday game, Chicago-Atlanta. Uh, another – this is like kind of perfect for Chicago right now because you're continuing to lose games. You're still in good draft standing right now. The Bears are 3-8, and eight, but they look like a much better football team than 3-8. and eight. I mean, to think they have like the same record as the Raiders, essentially, right? The Raiders are 3-7. and seven. Uh, the the Broncos who are three and seven and this Bears team is three and eight. Uh, this Bears team is a lot better than both of those teams. And Justin Fields is really really good. They're doing some small things that are kind of getting in their own way. But the Bears are a good football team. Well, I shouldn't say good. They are a promising football team that are really fun to watch. Still not great defensively, but they're playing hard. I'll, I'll give them that. Um, and offensively, you're going to be in every game because Justin Fields is just scrambling around and making plays, and and he's he's pretty fucking electric to watch, man. Like he, he's really really fun, but they don't want to be winning games right now. You know, you have all of this young, you have this young core, right? Um, at least one young core piece that you're building around in Justin Fields. You need a lot more depth. You need better offensive linemen. You need better pass rushers. You need a bit more weapons. Uh, and I think Chicago is going to be able to target those kinds of guys at the top of the draft next year. Um, and the more that they hit in the draft, the better this team will be. That's like the most duh sentence I've ever said on this podcast. But being competitive in games and then coming up a little bit short, it's not the worst thing. I, I do think if you're a Bears fan, you want to see them pull off a win, right? You don't want it to only be like, oh, we got down to the end and Fields just made a, another mistake or came up a little bit short. Like you want to see him pull off big time wins and big time winning drives. But playing well and coming up a little bit short and still helping your draft position, it's kind of a perfect situation if you're a Bears fan because you're not expecting to make the playoffs, but you're having fun watching your team you know, compete every single week. And, you know, in the long term, you're getting better draft pick, you're getting better pieces, Um, which maybe that's loser talk. I don't know, but I know if I was in that situation, unless you have a legit chance to make the playoffs, because this, this whole situation reminds me a lot of the Eagles last year, where you have a first year head coach, a second year quarterback who you're not really sure about. You throw the ball a lot during the first half, right? Or, or, at least you're running an, an ugly offense that's not working. And then you start to put things into the offense halfway through the season that fit your quarterback's, you know, repertoire, that fit the things he does well. And that's exactly what the Bears did. And that's exactly what's made this offense better. Now, they don't have the offensive line that the Eagles had. I think the Eagles' defense last year was better than the Chicago defense this year. 
but it's the same kind of mentality. And the Eagles went on that run, finished seven and two, and then found their way into the playoffs. That was fun. That was exciting, right? Like that's kind of what you're hoping for as, you know, in terms of a big turnaround season. And the Eagles in turn still had good draft picks. Now they had other teams draft and they make the trade for AJ Brown. They go out and they get pieces and they make a run. And now they're a nine and one team. Now I'm not saying the bears are going to just turn around and do that, but they're at least setting themselves up for success long-term and you're getting your quarterback in game reps in high big time moments to try to win football games. And that is part of the, like, it's so rare for a rookie quarterback to come in and win those games. So the fact that he's in those situations, learning how to work through those now says a lot. And it's definitely helping, uh, I, I think, his development. And again, what's great about this, too, is there is no doubt anymore. You know Justin Fields is your guy. So let him run. Let him play. Let him grow, develop this year. If you lose some of these games close, well, fans, you had a good time watching. And you're also getting a good draft pick on the other side. The Falcons are continue to be just a weird team. Um, Cordero Patterson with the kick return uh, breaks Devin Hester's record, which is crazy to me because Cordero Patterson is not flashy as a kick returner. He wasn't Dante Hall. He wasn't Devin Hester. He just takes it and bullies through people. And he's so big and fast. And like when he split the gap between the two good defenders, which are the last two guys breaking that kick return back the other day or on Sunday, I, I couldn't believe that they didn't get him. Like, I don't, I couldn't believe how fast he was moving to be able to split that gap. It was like some Indiana Jones shit. Um, really, really impressive career from a guy who finally seems to have found a home in Atlanta, but has been a really productive player, but just this kind of tool, like it's such a shame. Cause if, if he joy, if he gets drafted into the league, Cordell Patterson in 2021 or 2022, he's probably like, a pro bowl like perennially but he came in at a time when no one really knew how to use him. i mean you can say the same thing for devin hester too but uh fascinating either way all right uh browns bills huge win for buffalo uh the final score is not indicative of what the uh what the game looked like there was that last late touchdown by donovan people's jones the kind of uh I don't know. I guess the, if you had the alt spread on this somehow, I mean, the Bills still won by eight. I think we had this game. It's, it was minus eight. So actually, yeah, that touchdown did kind of fuck us. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, the Bills needed that. They needed a bounce back. I mean, got everything going on with the weather there and the and the was they call it like a thunderstorm or not thunderstorm, a thunder snow. Uh, I mean, the videos and shit were insane, but Buffalo got hammered with the snow and then they came out and after looking shaky in the first quarter, pretty much dominated that football game the rest of the way. Um, Josh Allen looks healthy, which is big. Uh, Stefan Diggs continue doing his thing. And the fact that they're able to run the ball consistently now too. Um, Devin Singletary finally looks like he's, you know, comfortable running the football, which I don't know if it's just a lack of repetitions or something clicked. I don't know. Running backs are weird that way. Sometimes guys just get on, a heater or they finally see something that they didn't see before. Nonetheless, we're talking about a bills team that becomes that much more dangerous with the ability to run the football. Uh, and, and the wear and tear that that saves your star quarterback and Josh Allen is huge. You're, you're protecting him from long-term injury. You're protecting him from, uh, you know, having to be the hero every single play and you just give him a chance to breathe. 
It also makes things a lot easier for him in the passing game if teams have to start respecting the run against Buffalo, which in the entirety of Josh Allen's career, I don't think he's ever had a running back like that. I don't think he's ever had a running back where he's been able to lean on the running game in order to continue to, you know, be successful in the passing game. Like it's, it's always been Josh Allen, Josh Allen doing everything, running, throwing, trying to do too much and alleviating some of that pressure and allowing him to just play the game he wants to play. And he can still make those plays with his legs when he needs to, he can still chuck the ball when he needs to watch. Obviously that's going to be the primary part of that offense, but come games again, you know, you're running out the clock. You're trying to keep the ball away from Kansas city, right? You're trying to keep the ball away from Patrick Mahomes or Joe Burrow or Tua and that offense in Miami who can score so fast on you. Like this is a big weapon for them being able to run the football, which is something Josh Allen's never had unless it's him being the one to do that. And that's how he's going to get himself fucking hurt. And nobody wants to see that. I think everyone here is still pulling for Buffalo. This was a huge win for them. It was great to see them kind of bounce back after the slow start and then after everything that happened last week too. Uh, and, and then everything they're dealing with with the weather, to come out and just beat a team you're supposed to beat and to do it comfortably uh, was big for them. So big win for Buffalo. I think they kind of right the ship a little bit there. Uh, two teams that are six and four inexplicably, the New York Jets and the Patriots played one of the most boring football games of all time that also had one of the most electric finishes of all time. Um, shades of Deshaun Jackson, Miracle in the Meadowlands too, right? The punt return for the touchdown as time expires. I think there's about five seconds on the clock left when Marcus Jones found his way into the end zone. Uh, this game, and I, you know, on my notes and stuff, I had a few things written down about this game. Um, primarily both quarterbacks here are, are not very good. Now I'll say this about Mac Jones. I thought I, there's a, at least a confidence with his decision-making, but he's making a lot of passive decisions, right? He doesn't have a whole lot of downfield targets. Uh, his, his average depth of target, I think is like six yards, which is uh, one of the worst in the league. Um, and maybe it's just because he was sharing a field with Zach Wilson that made him look good because Zach Wilson looks horrible. Uh, if you are the Jets, you can't start this kid. Like you, you can't. And I know you just put all you put in the second overall pick on Zach Wilson. <laughs> but like, imagine if they had gone with Justin Fields, right? And we can play the hypothetical game all day long. Um, but this Jets team would be in such a better position. Hell, even if it was Mac Jones. I think Mac Jones with Garrett Wilson and and the wide receivers that they have in uh, and Corey Davis and, and the wide receivers they have in New York would be a lot better than what he's dealing with here in New England. And at least Mike LaFleur, the offensive coordinator for the Jets, is like a creative, fun play caller. Mac Jones is getting fucking nothing in, in uh, New England, and they're running the ball. And for a dude who looked pretty good as a rookie, I still don't understand the – regression of Mac Jones unless it's as simple as yeah they don't have an offensive coordinator they have Matt Patricia and Joe Judge as the offensive coordinators he has no consistent voice he's got no creativity in the play calling it's very like 2001 to 2003 New England Patriots run the ball play really really good defense now the Pats defense is legitimately really really good Matthew Judon is playing like the defensive player of the year uh I'm though I'm I'm sure Micah Parsons will uh, have a few words to say about that, but 
I mean, Junon, 13 and a half sacks, leading the NFL, uh, having a monstrous season. He's on pace to get almost 20 sacks, uh, and which would put him in, in rarefied air in terms of 20 sacks in one season kind of guys. But I'll say this, like, New England is not a team that you ever want to play, but you shouldn't be worried about playing this New England team. I'm curious if either one of these teams ends up making the playoffs. My guess is the Patriots probably will. They have an easier remaining schedule, though they do have to play Buffalo, um, I think, twice still. So that's not great for them. Um, But unless the Jets – I mean, look, are you going to put in Joe Flacco? I've seen a lot of put in Joe Flacco, right? And if you're saying it for the joke, I love it. If you're saying it seriously, is Joe Flacco really going to win you more games? Like, I know – he did well opening, you know, the first few games of the season. But Zach Wilson at least has won some pretty big games this year. I mean, the Green Bay game, there's, there's not a whole lot to defend Zach Wilson on. And his postgame comments were awful. You can't you can't go out and say what he said on his postgame conference, right? Like, a leader of a team says, that's on me, right? Even if he doesn't think it is, you don't come out in a press conference and say, oh, no, we didn't let down the defense. Or the question was, do you think you let down the defense? And he said, no. You did, dude. You did. It's it's really simple. You can like you can say that all you want, but I think it also shows his immaturity. I think it shows kind of the lack of self-awareness that he has in terms of what it means to be a starting quarterback in the NFL uh, and to have the pressure of the number two overall pick. You gotta own up that shit, especially in New York. You you can't you can't do that. Um so New York's in trouble. They've been a really fun story. And the defense is really cool, is really good. I, I've enjoyed watching the Jets not be terrible. Uh, and I think it's good for football when, when that's the case. And it's funny that both the Jets and Patriots feel like they're in the exact same situation. Um, it doesn't help, too, Elijah Bear Tucker being done for the year. Like, that's a, that was a massive loss for them. Um, but they have young pieces but I think they missed on the, on the main piece, which is that quarterback spot. Uh, and the Patriots, they're going to continue to find ways to win games. Um, I don't know. I, I don't think either one of these teams is particularly good. And the fact that they're both six and four is pretty wild. Uh, all right, next up, Rams, Saints. Amazing how we would have gotten so excited for this game just a few years ago. Um, this game, who cares? Was, I mean, it was the who cares bowl. Um there were some exciting plays. Uh, Alave had his first like massive big time play for the Saints. He's really good. He was my favorite wide receiver coming out. I loved Alave. He's so smooth. He's a lot like De- uh, Devontae Smith, right? In that draft class where you had the Garrett Wilsons and Drake London. You had a lot of these guys, but like Chris Alave is just effortless. It seems effortless for him. Um, and he's going to be a good player in the league for a long time. Saints come out with a win. I don't have much to add there. I mean, the Rams are just decimated. I mean, no Cooper Cup. I mean, Tutu Atwell caught a touchdown pass uh, on a deep ball from Matt Stafford. Uh, he leaves the game again, so he's banged up. This Rams season's cooked. It's hard to it's hard to repeat. Um, and one of the things that we've talked about with this Rams team and organization is they went all in for a Super Bowl, and you want it, so it's worth it. This three and seven shit. This is this is the price you pay sometimes winning a Super Bowl it's really hard to get back it's really hard to even I mean how many times do we see teams win a Super Bowl and then kind of fall off a little bit wouldn't expect it to be this bad but that's also they got super unlucky with injuries 
the, one of their captains and, and the anchor of their offensive line retires. Um, Aaron Donald finally seems to have gone from being the clear-cut most elite defensive player to just a top-five defensive player, which is still really, really good. But there's not a ton of weapons on the offense. There's not a ton of, ton of playmakers on that defense. Bobby Wagner, another year older. I mean, Jalen Rams. And the defense is still playing well. Like, this was the worst defensive performance I think they've had all year. Uh, but I think that also is a little bit – I feel like this team's kind of like, hey, we did our time. We're out. Um, and it was – it was it's it's been an ugly season for the Rams, for sure. All right, moving on now. Detroit and New York – this was the game I've been waiting for with the Giants, right? This was the other shoe dropping game, which is that the Giants have played such perfect, like fundamental football that they've won a lot of games so far this season because of it. They're seven and three. But over time, luck starts to bounce the other way. And one of the things I wrote down with the Giants, which early on in this game, when it, they were up six to three, they had they scored a touchdown off of a turnover. Um, and it was just like every because every single time one of their opponents makes a mistake, the Giants have been able to capitalize. They capitalize it on the and it's like it was like every time. So you you had to play perfect football against the Giants and force them to make mistakes because if you made mistakes, they were capitalizing on it. And what I loved seeing from this Lions team was that like they got down early and they didn't stop. They were like, oh, we don't give a shit. We're still gonna pound the rock. We're still gonna throw it to you. And their defense is out here making play after play. Aiden Hutchinson looking more and more like a, a complete stud. One of my worst draft takes, I would say, over the last few years. Um, which is, again, I, I thought Aiden – I still don't know how high his ceiling is. I don't know if he's ever going to be the game wrecker, the Joey, Nick Bosa, Chase Young, like one of those elite, elite guys. But so far, he's making a huge impact. I, I don't know if he's TJ Watt. He might be back-to-back weeks with amazing interceptions from the defensive end position is really hard to do. Uh, and, and he seems he's, – he's a football dude. Like, he's a savant when it comes to the game of football, uh, in addition to being incredibly freakishly athletic and strong. And he comes in with this polished set of moves already. He's really, really good, and he's a difference maker already as a rookie. And that's huge. That's huge for that defense. We know the offensive line for Detroit's good. The Lions are sitting here at four and six, and it's like the two of the more fun teams to watch right now in the NFL are the Lions and the Commanders. And the fact that I'm saying that sentence out loud is crazy. But I'll say this. The Giants had this coming. They've been on the right side of so many lucky bounces, and then they've capitalized on other teams' mistakes. But you can't – you can only go so far with the talent that you have, right? And unfortunately for this Giants team – they're really well coached. They're a pretty like admirable group of, of of players and coaching staff because they don't have a ton of talent on that team. But they are limited in how good they can be, right? There's only so much you can do without having the talent to match it up. And when you look at the Lions roster, like the Lions defense isn't amazing. Um, but they have guys who could, you know, really go out there and play. And the Giants offense is terrible. Uh, the Giants' defense has statistically been pretty bad all year, but they've made a couple of key plays, and other teams have made mistakes, and that's kind of been what's kept them afloat. The Lions took care of the football, and they threw the ball all over the yard. Jared Goff continuing to look like a good quarterback. And then you have Jamal Williams 
finding you know what three touchdowns I think he had yesterday. He's leading the league in touchdowns this year. He's got twelve. Uh, and DeAndre Swift finds the end zone. Uh, it, there's they're a fun team, and at four and six, this is exactly what you want to see from this Lions team. I mean, if if they hold on to this this pace and they finish the year seven and what was it would it be seven and and ten, that's a huge huge win for this Lions team. Seven and ten would be an unbelievable second year with Dan Campbell, and I hope that this continues because they're a fun team. Uh, the Giants, on the other hand, I think this is when the wheels start to come off a little bit. Um, they're not a bad team, but again, they can only go as far as the talent kind of takes them to some level and Saquon's a stud and Daniel Jones has been playing perfect game game manager for football. Um, but now the giants are going to be in this weird spot where they've won too many games to go up and get one of these top quarterbacks. They need more help on, on the offense too. They need a few more weapons. Obviously Kadarius Tony didn't work out the, um, the, Oh, the wide receiver that they got for Kenny Galladay from Detroit, ironically. Um, he hasn't worked out since signing that contract. That contract looks worse and more. I mean, it was a bad contract when he signed it, but he's been unavailable and just kind of bad for them. The Giants have some holes, but uh, we'll see. All right. Uh, next up here, Carolina and Baltimore. Um this was a weird game because Carolina, I mean, I guess it's just their defense is really good, but this game was three to three going into the fourth quarter. And Lamar Jackson, he is way too good to be in games like this against the Panthers uh, where they have to score in the fourth quarter to barely hold on. Um, I keep wanting to say that this Ravens team is going to be good, that this Ravens team is going to be a potential contender. I don't think I can say that. I mean, the defenses look great, but like you're playing Baker Mayfield in this really bad Panthers offense that has no weapons. That's running Deontay Foreman, you know, 25 to 30 times a game. And DJ Moore is just stuck stranded there in Carolina. How do you not put up more than 10 points or 13 points against this Panthers team? And I know that there's not a ton of wide receiver talent in Baltimore. We talked about that at nauseum going into the season. But Lamar Jackson is too good. He's too good for this to be the way that, you know, this this Ravens team turns out. Now, defense does look legit. And Roquan Smith was a great addition. And they can get after the passer. And they're pretty solid in the secondary still. But we also haven't seen Baltimore play any, like, really good teams yet. Like, I want to see what happens when Baltimore, were, you know, plays Kansas City, which, to my knowledge, and I'm, I'm pulling up their schedule here, uh, they don't have – I mean, they they played – they're at Jacksonville, home against Denver, at Pittsburgh, at Cleveland, then it's Atlanta, Pittsburgh, and Cincinnati. Like, there's nobody on this schedule for us to get an actual gauge as to how good this team is. Now, they've won four in a row against Cleveland, Tampa Bay, New Orleans, and Carolina, but the only really good team that they've played so far in their schedule has been Buffalo and Miami. Um, and both of those games, they – lost uh within four points each of them but yeah i don't know it's uh it's going to be interesting i i like i said i want to say that this team is good i want to say that the baltimore ravens are a potential super bowl contender or at least 
a contender to get to the AFC championship game, but they don't have anybody left on their schedule that will, if they beat, will give me that convincing feeling. And then when they're beating teams like, you know, Carolina 13 to three and 23 to 20 against Cleveland, and they lost a game to the Giants. Like, I just need to see more convincing wins against bad teams because we're not going to know if the Ravens are a legitimate contender because they don't play anyone else who's a contender for the rest of the season. So they'll be in the playoffs and they'll be there, but they continue to play down against bad teams, and it's concerning. Um, I mean, give the Panthers credit. They have a young, talented defensive roster, but that's a that's a bad team. And if, if Baltimore is a Super Bowl contender, they got to beat them a lot better and more convincingly than 13 to three. I mean, a win's a win, right? We said that last week, not discounting it, but that, that game was way too close considering the talent on the Ravens. Uh, all right, next up, Commanders, Texans. I alluded to this in the opening. The Commanders are a good football team. I I, I will sit here and say, like, I, I might even put a future on the Commanders to make the playoffs. Uh, their defensive line is really good. Their offensive line is a little bit makeshift, but they finally at least have a cohesive group. Like I think they had five or six different offensive line starting combinations uh, throughout the first like seven or eight weeks of the season. And now it's been four weeks in a row with the same unit. And you saw what they can do. They can run the football. They have two good backs. They kind of switch them in and out. They both can catch the ball in the backfield. Uh, they have really good skill position guys. The way that they use Curtis Samuel in the running game is really dangerous. Obviously, Terry McLaurin is a true, legit number one. Uh, I like this commander's team. And defensively, they have a really good defensive line. I think you can put their D-line up with pretty much anybody. The secondary is getting better and better. Um, Just Hill, is that his name? Just Just Hill, St. Just or something? I don't know. He's really good. Uh, He was the one that had the interception against the Eagles on Monday night. I think it's like St. Just. He's a really good player. Um, he comes down in the running game, stuffs guys at the line of scrimmage. Uh, he plays played really well in coverage. And Ron Rivera kind of has this team shaping up. You know, Jack Del Rio defenses are kind of like Steve Spagnola defenses, where they get better as the season goes on. I don't I wouldn't want to play Washington in the playoffs, uh, especially with a guy like Heineke, who the team loves. He keeps you in every game. And the fact that he's not turning the ball over this year shows growth on his part where he still has some of that gunslinger in him. And yeah, he is going to, you know, throw the ball away uh, and and make an occasional interception. He had the bad pick against the Eagles, but for the most part, he's getting teams into one-on-one, you know, they're they're getting teams into man coverage. He's making good throws and he's making a couple plays and then when they need him to, but primarily they're doing it on the ground and kind of like Tennessee, like this is the type of team that, that will be able to travel. That would be a dangerous team in the postseason. And Heineke, You'd rather have Heineke back there. I mean, we, we know that for a fact rather than Carson Wentz, but he's the kind of guy that a team galvanizes around, right? That that people love him on that team. The fan base loves him. He keeps it exciting. And I think all of the positive energy of the Snyders, like selling the team uh, is kind of rubbing off on the team. Like it feels like I, I have Commanders fans in my life. Like I think Commanders fans are like starting to get excited about it because they know that this is the last season of Dan Snyder. They have a team that's on their way to the postseason. If they could keep this up, they they're four and two on the road. They win road games. This is a good commander's team. I I have to say, like they're they're fun to watch. Not when they're beating my team, 
But when they're beating other teams, I really like the style of football that they play. And Ron Rivera, for all the shit he got, right, he was going to be the next coach fired at the beginning of the year. I, if he keeps this up, if they make the postseason, it's a tremendous run. Um, and I think they're the third best team in the, in the NFC East right now. All four teams in the NFC East right now are above 500. Uh, you have the Eagles at nine and one, the Commanders at seven and three, Giants at seven and three, and uh, or the, the Cowboys at seven and three, and then the Cowboys are the Commanders at six and five, four and two on the road. Uh, and and since Carson Wentz has gone out, I think they're five and one or four and one. Um, they're a fun team. So Commanders, watch out. I'm telling you now, look up their future odds to see if you can get them to make the playoffs because I think they're going to make the playoffs. Uh, and again, that's not a team that I would want to play in the postseason. Uh, Raiders Broncos edition number two of the who cares game. Um, man, Russ continues to be bad, continues to struggle, man. Um, Devonte Adams gets wide open in overtime to win that football game. Uh, I, it's weird to say, cause I'm normally not a fan of head coaches getting fired after one year. And I like Nathaniel Hackett. But something's got to change, and you can't get rid of Russ. I don't know what you do. You can't bench him. I know they've dealt with injuries. They just waived Melvin Gordon today, and he's seemingly been unhappy in Denver uh, this season. Um, I just don't know what you do. I mean, Dolchich is awesome, the tight end. I loved him in college, and he's a really good player, so that helps. But a rookie tight end is not changing this team. I don't know where they go. And their defense is so good, right? Like the defense made one mistake, really, the whole game, and it was in overtime. But this Broncos team, I think they've only given up 20 points or more one other game other than this one. I'm going to pull up their their list of, of games this year, but I'm pretty sure they've only given up – they gave up 32 to Vegas the first time that they played them. This was uh, in week four, and then they gave up – 22 to Vegas on Sunday. So other than that, they have not given up more than 20 points uh, to any, they haven't given up more than 20 points to anybody other than the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, this defense, I mean, it's crazy. It's 17 points, nine points, 10 points, 32, and then 12, 19, 16, 17, 17, and then 22 to the Raiders. This defense is amazing. And it's crazy. Cause if you told me, that would be the case um, going into the season. I would say that this team would be a Super Bowl contender because I would think that Russ, I thought Russ would be better than he was. I didn't expect him to be this bad, but that offense is horrendous uh, and not getting better anytime soon. All right, next up here, got a few games left. Cowboys, Vikings, um, Dallas. Look, I mean, it was the story of the weekend. The Cowboys just absolutely obliterating this team 40 to three. I, I will say this. I do still think it's a little unfair to completely jump off the Vikings and say that they are complete total frauds. I, I don't think they're complete and total frauds, but at this point they've played three really good teams. They got smashed by two of them. And the other one, they barely held on and won in, in miracle fashion after coming back from 17 points down. Um, I, this is going to be the story with this Vikings team. They do a really good job against bad teams, but they have a rookie head coach. They have Kirk Cousins still. And 
this is what happens. Now, I do think they were a bad matchup for the Cowboys in particular because Micah Parsons and and Demarcus Lawrence were completely able to take away the the passing game for them by just getting after the quarterback so effortlessly. Uh, Christian Darisau also dealing with an injury. I don't think he played for most of this game. So that obviously hurts them too. Um, The blueprint to beating the Cowboys defense is running the football. But when their defense got lit up, on the ground the way that the Cowboys did. And like Tony Pollard has fully cemented himself as like he is and has to be the number one running back on that team. And you use Zeke intermittently, but you had two touchdowns from Zeke, two touchdowns from Tony Pollard, Pollard with another hundred yard game. Uh, the, The offensive line is playing a lot better for Dallas. Dallas is a really good team. And I hate to say it because I hate the Cowboys, but they're good, man. They're good. And Dak's doing enough. They don't have to throw the ball a million times. And once they kind of once they found this kind of sauce, right, where it's like let Dak throw it 25 times, which is more than a game manager, but not Patrick Mahomes, right? Uh, and run the ball and let the defense carry you on the other side. This is a, a really well balanced team on both sides of the ball. They can pressure the quarterback, they can cover well, they tackle well. The only real weakness on that defense is when teams decide to just run it right at them. Uh but if you're not a team that's capable of doing that or your team like the Vikings who have Kirk Cousins and are un- unable to avoid the pass rush uh, and do things with his legs, the Cowboys are going to be a tough team to beat. Uh, I'm really excited to see when they play Washington because I think that's going to be a tough matchup for the Cowboys um, just because Washington's going to be, a you know, that's what Washington's doing right now. They're running the ball right at you. And teams that have done that have been successful against the Cowboys so far this season, the Vikings should be able to do that. I mean, they have the running backs to do that, but that's not what Kevin O'Connell likes to do. He's from that McVay tree. He wants to spread it out. Uh, and Kirk Cousins got his shit smashed in. And every once in a while, you're going to have Kirk Cousins games like this where he's just really, really bad. But you can't blame just Kirk Cousins on this game because the defense got absolutely steamrolled and, and shit pumped. So big, huge win for the Cowboys. Uh, and weirdly enough, it was a great win for the Eagles too, because now the Eagles have a little bit of extra padding there between first place and second place. Um, and with that, we can talk about the Eagles because I forgot to do that game. Um, really, really weird game for Philly. Um, credit to Jonathan Gannon um, to some degree. I do feel like the team played a lot better after that opening drive defensively. Uh, after that first drive, Basically, the Colts couldn't do anything offensively. The only time that they were able to put up points were off of turnovers. The turnover luck has started to switch away from the Eagles, but part of that was like Jalen holding on to the ball too long. The offensive line, I thought, had their first really bad game of the year this year. And collectively, um, the penalties for Philadelphia. There was the one drive where they had three penalties in a row, and they still kept finding ways to get the first down, and then a penalty would take it back. And they were sitting at like second and 35 at one point and still almost got the first down. It's It was an incredibly frustrating game as an Eagles fan. But what I loved about this game was Jalen Hurts, man. Like Jalen Hurts willed this team to victory. And I didn't like the play calling. I didn't like that they were running so much of the of the option stuff with, with Hertz there at the end. Um, I would have liked to see them spread out. The biggest thing is not having Dallas Goddard. Like Dallas Goddard was a real safety net, really, really good tight end, finding ways to get open. Uh, and it felt like he was always finding spots. And now this offense without him does become a little less dynamic. 
They need to continue to feed AJ Brown. It felt like they were going, they went after him early. And then the rest of the game, it was like, why are they not getting the ball to AJ Brown more? Um, I thought Jalen though, despite not playing the best he's played all year, I thought this was one of his best games because of what it meant for them to be able to win uh, this game after how bad the team looked. Right. And credit to the defense again. Uh, there weren't a ton of straight up adjustments in this game, but there was a lot of really good play, right? Like it, it was like they didn't change too much schematically after the the Colts just ran it down their throat. But what did happen was the new additions, uh, Nanamik and Sue and Linville Joseph played huge roles on uh, the, the defensive line in the run game. Uh, and also just timely plays, right? The secondary was playing really bad on the opening drive, and then they came back and played a lot better. And look, the Colts definitely look like they have more energy, right? This doesn't feel like the same Colts team that was a couple weeks ago, but the fact that this game was as close as it was was definitely concerning uh, for the Eagles. That being said, a win is a win. They're still in first place. They still only have one loss on the year. And it was a game that they had to figure out a way to win. And being battle-tested like that, like it is still the NFL, you are going to have weird games. You're going to get bad calls. You're not going to play great sometimes. And in this case, the Eagles didn't play great, but they still found a way to win the game. And ultimately, that's all you can ask for in the NFL. Uh, Bengals-Steelers. Bengals offense looks really good against the Steelers defense. Um, I will say this. The defense is starting to become a little concerning for the Bengals it's a tale of two halves. They give up 20 in the first half and then 10 in the second half, right? Against the Steelers offense that shouldn't be this good. Uh, but the Bengals defense definitely didn't help them out there. No Jamar chase, still not a problem. It feels like after the bye week the Bengals have kind of figured some stuff out to get by until chase comes back, which should hopefully be in the next couple weeks for them. Uh, T Higgins had a huge day. Joe Mixon gets banged up in that game. Doesn't matter. So magic P Ryan comes in. He has three touchdowns. The, uh, the Bengals are going to be here to stay for a while. Uh, Joe Burrow continuing to play really good football. I love Cincinnati. Um, and I love Joe Burrow. And we'll, we'll see what goes. Uh, Chiefs, Chargers. Honestly, this the storyline of this game was what it always is with the Chiefs, which is Patrick Mahomes is fucking awesome. He's so good. Um, the Chargers, man, they get so close in so many of these games, and they always seem to come up just a little bit short. And you can't blame Herbert. You can't really even blame the defense. I mean, you're playing the fucking Kansas City Chiefs, uh, and yet Kelsey still just finds ways to beat guys. It's crazy that he's the number one option. Everyone knows where the ball is going at the end of games, and he still finds a way to get open. Uh, I look forward to the team that finally figures that out and, and does something about it. I don't know if you can. Kelsey just might be that good. Um, the backyard football shit with them at the end of games where he just finds open spots and him and Mahomes have that insane chemistry. But the Chiefs, I said at the top, are the best team in football. It's And it's becoming less and less close. They are the clear-cut best team. Uh, and then we'll wrap up here. Niners, Cardinals. Whew, they finally got Debo, like, activated, which makes this offense even scarier for San Francisco. Um, McCaffrey has a big day. Jimmy G played well. The Cardinals obviously are a bad football team. But Debo, Kittle, and Christian McCaffrey all looked healthy, all looked like a big part of the offense. And Jimmy G did what he had to do, right? Uh, 38 points, absolutely blowout. And they're the most dangerous team in the NFL right now. Uh, I'm not going to say they're the best team, but when everything clicks – if, if we're talking about the team that, that might be the best team in the NFC, that if, if we're not talking about the Eagles or Cowboys at the top, it's San Francisco. 
Um, Jimmy G just has to continue to, you know, and if you throw out that week one loss right to Chicago in the rain game and all that weirdness, right. Um, this team could be seven to three, eight and two pretty easily. And Jimmy G's going to have his moments, but as long as those moments don't come in the playoffs, there's so much talent and Jimmy G's responsibility, which it was always like, get the ball to Kittle or Debo. But now you add in McCaffrey and you have Elijah Mitchell there too. And the offensive line finally looks like it's like healthy, really, really cooking, looking really good. The Niners are going to be a tough team to play week in and week out. And I would be scared shitless to play them in the postseason. Um, not going to say that to Scotty, at least not until Friday's pod, but uh, yeah, that's a good football team. All right. Short pod. Uh, everybody have a wonderful week. Uh, we're going to have another episode out for Thanksgiving morning, but we're, we're going to record it Wednesday night. So that might get released a little bit earlier than normal uh, just because of the holiday. Everybody have a happy, wonderful, safe Thanksgiving if this doesn't come out until then. So uh, enjoy it. Safe travels to everybody. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for making us a part of your everyday routine. We love you guys and we will talk to you later on in the week. Take it easy, everybody.